Hey, good morning, church. Hey, welcome to Base Camp. Um, this is uh, the third week of our Base Camp series, if you will, and I'm going to jump right in, okay? Um, two questions I want us to fuss with this morning. Number one, what's our Base Camp goal? What's our, at, the foot of the, at, the, at the base of the mountain, what's our Base Camp goal, and how do we execute the climb? Those two things. I hope at the end of the day we have some idea maybe what God wants us to do with those questions. So what, what's our Base Camp goal, and how do we fuss or how do we execute the climb? Um, I, w- I want to share a story that Bill Hybels shares in his book called Courageous Leadership. Bill Hybels is a pastor of a big church, Willow Creek, um, just outside of Chicago. Uh, but he's a, uh, in his off time, he's a sailor. He's a competitive sailor. He raced sails. Um, but this one time, a, a businessman friend of his gave him an opportunity to race in America's Cup, uh, in an America's Cup type race. These are half million dollar of sailboats. This businessman said, um, Bill, use my boat, get a crew, and use my boat, race in this regatta. And this regatta was going to be seven half million dollar boats, all the same boats, and they were going to race. And Bill Heibel said, this is a chance of a lifetime. So he, he pulls his crew together, and, and he, he's raced before competitively, but nothing like this. The, uh, an America's Cup sailboat takes 13 guys to, to man it and to do it, to do it right. And, and Bill said, yes, this is an opportunity. So he brings his crew together. The, the, the day before the race, he gets his crew together. They're going to practice doing this thing. And he, um, before they get on the, on the boat, he gets his team together and says, guys, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. He gives the rah-rah speech, the pregame speech. Guys, this is going to be just awesome. If we pull together, if we pull together and we pull together like a team, I think we can compete with these guys. I think we can, we can be with these America Cup guys. They have nothing over us. We can do this. And Bill b- begins to believe his own story. And he's clueless in what it really means to race one of these big boats. Um, but, but they go out. They, 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 they motor out of the harbor. They put up the sails. They're sailing into the wind. And, and things are just going really well. I mean, they are, um, they are just going gangbusters. And they're getting cocky, if you will. Um, into the wind is fine, but in light winds at first, but then the winds begin to pick up some 30 knot winds, the story says, and, and they, they, they come about and they start running with the wind. They go, they're going away from the wind, and it's a little bit trickier um, to tack away from the wind. And they're with, they, they put up the big spinnaker, if you know what that is, the big colorful sail, and they're, they're racing with the wind, and, and they are flying down the waves. But to tack, to turn against with the wind at your back is, is, is serious stuff. The boom comes across like 40 miles an hour and take your head off if you don't know what you're doing. And these guys realized when they did the first jibe that they had no clue. And they crashed and burned. Um, Bill says it was like a, like, a, like a train wreck or a plane crash on the water. There were sails and ropes and guys everywhere. It just, they just messed it up royally. They did it again. They couldn't get it. They did it 10 times. They still couldn't get it close to being right. By the end of the day, they did it 20 times, and none of them, none of those times was good. None of them was, was perfect. Um, Bill says, hey, hey, guys, before we get any more frustrated, let's call it a day. We'll, we'll try to get up early tomorrow. We'll come out before the race, before the regatta. We'll practice it one more time. Go get some good rest. Now, Bill, as the leader, he's got an opportunity to either give him another rah-rah speech that we can do this, Guys, if we're on our A game, we could take care of this. Or he can do what he did. Um, he said, guys, he pulls the, the team together, his crew together, alongside the dock. They don't even get in the boat. He said, guys, we, we blew it. We stunk up the place yesterday. There, there's no way. I mean, I, I'm embarrassed to even try to go do that again. What, what I want us to do, just a, a reality check, a gut check. And Bill took his best sailor and said, could you just break down into simple components 
what the jibe, what, what we're tacking against the, with the wind at our back. Could you just walk us through that process? Take it, take it down to its basic components. And this guy began to explain, okay, guys, this is the spinnaker. This is the spinnaker pole. This is the spinnaker halyard. And he breaks it down, and he, and he looks at guy, each guy in the eye and says, this is your job. This is your job. When, we, when we're, when we're uh, jibing from the starboard, this is what you do. When we're jibing from the port, this is what you do. He went over it and over it and over it again until they got it down cold. They didn't have time to go out and, and practice it before the race. They just entered into the race. And the first time they jibed, they did it perfectly. They executed it perfectly. And there's no way they could compete with these America Cup guys. These guys are professionals. They, you know, they, they do this all the time. But they, at least they didn't crash and burn. And, and I want to share with you guys that sometimes in life, we don't need the rah-rah speech. It's not going to work. It's time for the gut check talk, the reality talk, our need to break things down to their basic components and then put them back together. Sometimes we need to do the same thing at church. That's the intent of this base camp series. Base camp is a place where we go to, to rest up, to regroup. It's like Bill Hybels taking his crew alongside the dock instead of going out in the open water. It's going alongside the dock and telling them, explaining, breaking down the, the stuff in basic stuff, reviewing what we need to do, each of us, what our role is. That's what base camp is. It's where we eat and warm up around the fire and renew our strength, the place to review and remind each other what's the goal. What's the mountain we're needing to climb? What's the route we're going to take? And, and where the tricky places will be, where the icy places will be, and when things get really scary and tough, how are we going to do it? And how do we do it together? And how do we do it without anybody getting hurt or lost or worse? At the end of John's Gospel, there's a base camp story. Post-Easter story, Jesus, John's Gospel says this is the third time that Jesus has appeared after the resurrection, after Easter morning, to the disciples. It's early morning. It's right alongside the lake. The guys have been fishing all night, and Jesus is on the shore. He has cooked them breakfast on an open fire, the text says. The text is going to come up here. This is the last chapter of John's Gospel. Important stuff. When they, the disciples, had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. He was offended. Because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lamb, feed my sheep. These are base camp instructions reminding Peter about what's most important on the journey ahead. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Three times Jesus asked, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Peter, do you love me? Reminders to Peter, reminders to the disciples, reminders to us what's most important. If we're going to climb this mountain together, here's what you have to do with laser beam focus. Here's the real deal. Here's the real thing. Jesus was asked, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. No commandment greater than these, Jesus said. This is the great commandment. Max Lucado sums it up, and I love this. Love God with everything you got, and love the things that God loves. 
Love God with everything you've got and love the things that God loves. Base camp preparations. Peter, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Then love me all in. Love God with everything you've got. Be all in loving God. Be all in following this Jesus. And what's that look like for you and me? What's our base camp goal? To climb the mountain, we need to love God with everything we've got. What's that mean for you and me? What does that really look like? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for me and my family? September 1st, 1997, some 20 years ago now, this past um, September, I remember it so clearly. As a point of reference for some of you guys, it was the day that Lady Diana was killed in that horrible automobile accident. It was a Sunday. Um, we went to our home church, Abiding Hope Lutheran Church, over in Littleton, Colorado. And with a sold sign outside our home, we loaded up the rental truck. With help from friends and family, my mom and dad was, were there. My mother-in-law was there. Our church family was there helping us. And we began the journey to Columbus, Ohio, where I was going to start seminary, uh, learning how to be a pastor. We were leaving base camp, if you will. I thought I was all in. I thought I was loving God with everything I've got. I had so much to learn. I had such a ways to go. My sense of call to become a pastor was not just from within, a small whisper from God in my, my heart, but it came from other folks. Cindy's grandfather, my dad, my good friend and business partner, Kip White, my wife, um, others. It was not an easy decision to leave our, our nice home and a good job and a church we loved, but we felt God calling us, leading us, and we went. And it was real easy until it wasn't. It was easy wrapping things up on this side. Things just fell into place for us. We sold our home quickly. Cindy had a job waiting for her. Uh, when we got to Columbus, we had such rich blessings from our friends and family loving on us, supporting us as we started out. But it's a long journey from here to Columbus. Lots of be still time as I drove in the rider truck and Cindy with our son riding in the van. Lots of time to think. The closer we got to Columbus... It hit us. What the heck? What the heck are we doing? Um, my wife Cindy still jokes that you could see her heel marks on I-70 as we drove into Columbus, Ohio, digging in, kind of backpedaling. Um, we knew we weren't in Kansas anymore. We weren't in base camp anymore. And the reality of what we were, we were doing hit us like a ton of bricks. The reality of what we were trying to do hit us. The sense of loss of what we had left behind hit us as we moved into student housing as a 39-year-old pastor wannabe. That first year of seminary, it was hard. It was hard on my head. I thought if I was all in loving God, I had to get all A's, like I was trying to qualify for med school or something. Um, but more so, it was hard on my heart. Jesus said to his followers, you want to follow me? You want to love me with everything you've got? There's a cost. You've got to take up your cross and then come walk with me. Not exactly the rah-rah speech, but the reality speech. That first year of seminary, it was gut check time, and we struggled. Cindy and I struggled. It was the toughest year of our married life. We've been married 30-plus years now, but that year was the toughest. Bar none, it was the toughest year of our life. There was no singing kumbaya around the campfire. Um, and towards the end of that first year, we decided this wasn't for us. Seminary is usually three years academics and then a year or two internship. And at the end of the first year, we said, you know, that, that was enough. Um, 
I was going to fly back to Denver before, before school got out. I, I'd been talking with my old business partner. I was going to go back to our engineering business. Cindy was going to fly out um, in a few days. We would look at houses again and restart our lives as soon as, the first, as, soon as the, that first year of school was finished. As I'm flying back here, somewhere over Kansas, I think I realized I couldn't go back to our old life. My head said yes, but my heart said no. And I remember Kip picked me up, my partner picked me up, and I, I told him I couldn't do it. I couldn't come back. And I began to weep. Um, he thought I was falling apart. And he was right, I was. And when Cindy, my wife, came into town a couple of days later, she was so angry at me for me jerking her emotions around. I would have divorced me. And we muscled our way back to Columbus, me just feeling like mush, not wanting to go to Columbus, but, not know, but knowing we couldn't go back to our old life either. And I was angry. Angry with myself, angry with God, angry that this wasn't easier. I thought if I was all in loving God, this would be easier. It wasn't. There was a cost. How do we love God with everything we've got? By understanding there's a cost. The seminary, I went to Trinity Lutheran Seminary. It's right on the edge of Columbus and Bexley, Ohio. Um, across the street from, from the seminary was Capital University. And Capital has this beautiful chapel on campus. And right outside the front door of the chapel is this big iron cross that sits outside the door. And I remember walking over there at dusk shortly after we had come back from our Denver trip. And I had just messed things up with my old business partner with my wife feeling so conflicted on what to do and how to move forward, I remember going to the foot of that cross and just falling on my knees, begging God to help me because on my own I was certainly messing it up royally. At the foot of that cross, out of desperation that evening, I finally surrendered. How do we love God with everything we've got? By understanding there's a cost and by surrender. First verse I ever memorized was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. By surrender, I'm not suggesting we give up by any means. I believe what God wants is just our hearts. He wants us to trust him and he will take care of everything else. How do we love God? How do we truly love God with everything we've got? By understanding there's a cost, by surrender, and then I believe through repentance and course correction. Base camp stuff, basic stuff, surrender and repentance. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. It means to change direction. It's course direction. Because on our own, on my own, we can wander off the trail so. And we get into some dangerous situations. Jesus said, the time has come. Come back to the trail. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Change direction. Trust me. Believe in me. Follow me. And I will show you the way. In our journey through seminary, I needed to surrender to God over and over again, but I also needed to ask God and my wife for forgiveness. And by the grace of God and the grace extended to me by my, my wife, we were able, I was able to get back on the path. But I had to acknowledge to my wife, babe, I was wrong, and I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Can you forgive me? And she did. How do we love God with everything we've got? By understanding there's a cost, by surrender through repentance and course correction, and lastly, by embracing the gift of grace by extend, and by extending the gift of grace. 
We need to embrace the gift of grace, God's unconditional love for us, no matter what, no matter what knucklehead thing, bonehead thing we do or say or think, God is still crazy about us. The climb is hard. The journey is hard. There is a cost. We're going to need lots of grace. And Jesus tells us, my grace, my grace is sufficient. It's all you need. My strength, my power, my godness is made perfect in weakness. I get to be God when you say, uncle, when you surrender. And I know it's counterintuitive, but it's true. God says, trust me. Trust me with your whole heart. Trust me. Believe in me. I will take care of the rest. For me, maybe for you too, being all in in the following of Jesus and loving God requires surrender. Buying into the journey accepting the cost, roping up to the one, the only one that can leave us, lead us up the mountain, the only one that can lead us home. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. This is all in response to Jesus' question to Peter at base camp. Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know that I do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, you know that I do trying to tie this all together before Thanksgiving, before you guys get really hungry. What about the sheep thing? And this is my favorite part, feeding the lambs and taking care of the sheep and feeding the sheep. How do we make this loving God thing work? And this is the second part of the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And Max Lucado says, love the things that God loves. How do we execute the climb? How do we really love God? We love the things that God loves. And how do we love the things that God loves? How do we love our neighbor This is a quote from Pastor Daryl. How do we love the stupid, smelly sheep that God puts in our path? Pastor Daryl, for folks you don't know, he was the beloved pastor that retired a year or so ago. Such a gifted man and a good friend, a beloved pastor, but he did not think so highly of sheep, did he? Um, From Isaiah. From Isaiah. All we are like sheep, we have gone astray, each to his and her own way. In some ways, we're all stupid sheep, knucklehead sheep all going our own way, at times heads down, eating one clump of grass, and then another clump of grass, then another clump of grass, and we put our heads up and we say, where'd everybody go? Bah, bah. We look for, um, we wander off on our own. There's the story that Jesus tells about the shepherd who has 100 sheep. And one wanders off. The good shepherd leaves the 99 in search of the knucklehead sheep. And I always think, yes, stupid sheep, but maybe stupid shepherd too, leaving, leaving those sheep, leaving the good sheep to go chase after the bad sheep. To me, it's the stupid sheep, stupid shepherd story until it's our story. That stupid sheep is us. St. Paul reminds us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a kid's book out there that's called Everybody Poops. It's the same thing. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all of us on this mountain climb, it's real easy for us to, to lose focus and slide off and stumble off. That's why the feeding the lambs, taking care of the sheep, feeding the sheep is so critical. It's how we embody the shepherd. It's how we be the hands and feet of Jesus in a world that so needs a good shepherd, a stupid shepherd, if you will, an unoffendable shepherd. We need to remind each other what the shepherd did for us. Yet, while we were sinners... Jesus died for us. He laid down his life for us so that we could have life, life eternal. Our shepherd, our good shepherd. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, the night of the Last Supper, he said to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
And by this, everyone will know that you are my, dis- my disciples if you love one another. Climbing the mountain, traveling away from base camp, it is easy to lose one's way on the tricky parts, the icy parts. We need to stay close to rope off to each other. If one loses one's footing, the others dig in and pull them back. How do we stay steady and strong for the climb? How do we be the church? And not just mediocre or bad church, but how do we do good church so that the lambs and the sheep know that they're going to be well fed and taken care of? How do we build community? How do we come together in this place to be strong and united, pulling for each other, pushing each other at times? There's, there's a picture in my office, and I, I invite you to come to my office, even today, if you remember. Uh, it, you need a hard hat and steel-toed boots. It's kind of a, like a war zone in there. There's very important things spread out all over the paper, all, all over the floor, very organized, I swear. But, but come, there's a picture of me with my hand on my mom's back. A few years back, when my mom was healthier, um, my wife and I, we talked my mom and dad uh, into hiking down into the Grand Canyon. And, and gravity is a great thing when you're going down. Um, but we stayed down there for two days. I really prayed that, I really thought my, my parents may have to live down there for the rest of their lives. They were so sore going down. Uh, but this picture on my wall has got my hand on my mom's back. I, I didn't push her, but I, I, I gave her this, this loving um, well, I just, I just guided her out. I just, I just pushed her out of the Grand Canyon. From the base of the canyon to the rim, I had my hand on my mom's back, and there's this great picture of that. And I think when we do cl- church close to being right, that's how we do it for each other. How do we execute the climb? We love the things that God loves. And how do we love the things that God loves? We do it in and through community. We do it um, when we do church close to being right. We build a crowd in this place, we do it in and through community, and then we point folks to Jesus. We worship together. We come together every Sunday, and we do church. We, re- we remember what God has done for us and continues to do for us. We remember it through song and prayer and worship and preaching and God's word. This is base camp. This is base camp fellowship. We remind each other that we're not alone, that we need each other, that we need God. The central part of worship, and we'll do it here in a few moments, we do it every Sunday, we do communion. We come to the table, we break the bread, we drink from the cup. We do it because Jesus said, don't, don't ever forget how much I love you guys. God, move the fence for us and through Jesus. Move the fence. This is top of the funnel stuff, base camp stuff. Coming to church, worshiping on Sunday. And if that's where you are, coming to church on a regular basis, but that's only where you are, that's perfectly okay, and, and you can stay there, but keep coming. Our, our family was top of the funnel, was a top of the funnel f- family for a long time. I've shared with you guys or some of you guys before. We used to, for five years, we'd come in late, and we'd sit in that holy row, that back row, um, and then we would leave early. For, for some five years, we did that. We didn't go deeper until our daughter, maybe 11 years old at the time, she asked us, is this is this our church? Innocent question right from a kid. Kids see stuff, sometimes we don't. Is this our church? Yes, this is our church. And how come we don't know anybody? How come we're not connected to this place? Through our daughter, God nudged us a little deeper into the funnel. How do we love God? How do we love the things that God loves? We do it in and through community, and we do it by connecting with each other. We do it by connecting in some real way to this place past just worshiping on Sunday morning. And I think Rick Warren said it during the Transform series we just finished. We can worship together with 500 folks, but we can't love each other that way. 
We love each other in smaller groups. We connect with each other in much smaller numbers. I'll be the first to tell you that sometimes it's hard to break into a church, and I'm a church guy. It's hard to break in beyond Sunday morning. Where's the secret passageway? Where's the secret handshake? How do I break in? And that's truly how it seems sometimes that you need to break in. And I pray as a church we're getting better at it, but I know we still have a long way to go. We connect, connect beyond Sunday morning. We connect through small groups and classes. And there are classes, adult classes and kid classes every Sunday morning, right before service or after service. We connect through being part of choir or band, serving as greeters and coffee cafe folks and welcome center folks the serving as deacons, the folks who serve communion and elders and teaching Sunday school and Awanas and a host of other ways, women, the women's Christmas lunch, men's breakfast. That's how we form relationships with each other, with our kids, with our families. That's how we stay tethered together on the climb. It's how we love each other in meaningful ways. This is how we move from the front door to the kitchen, and all of a sudden we're not just sitting at the table. We're helping prepare the meal. You begin to share stories in your heart's you're honest with each other. You share real stuff. You start praying for each other. And that leads us to the next step down the funnel. How do we love God and the things that God loves? In and through community, by connecting with each other, and then by caring for each other. We care for each other. We love each other. We love each other through the stuff that life throws our way inside this building and out. Mike and Rose Sander from this church, they were here at the first service. I shared a few weeks back some of their story. Mike has stage four bone cancer. He was going to go down to um, Houston to have surgery to, to remove the tumors that had grown back. He and Rose are in our small group. And a, while we, a while back in our small group, we asked him how we could pray for him. And Mike said, Mike said, don't pray for me. I've lived a long life. Pray for Autumn. Autumn's this 18-year-old girl that they've met along the way. She's got the same disease. Um, it's incurable. Pray for, pray for Autumn. Pray for Autumn's mom and dad. Pray for Autumn's brother and si- younger brother and sister. Don't pray for me. Pray for Autumn. But we prayed for Autumn, and we prayed for Mike as well. And then um, a week ago, Tuesday, Mike had this surgery down in Houston, and a bunch of us folks got together that day, and we prayed, we prayed together for Mike. We, we put together a 12-hour prayer vigil from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m., in half-hour increments, from the time Mike would be checking in to when we hoped the surgeons would, be, would finish, we prayed for Mike. We prayed for Rose. We prayed also for Autumn and her family. And I don't know if you folks know the Marcells. They, they were a part of this church. They, they moved through work. They transferred down to, to Houston. They heard about um, Mike and Rose's situation. They heard about the surgery. Um, they live about 45 minutes outside Houston. They, they drove in... Um, and they sat with Rose all through the nine and a half hours of surgery. It's good church, church. The surgery, took, again, took place a week ago, Tuesday, last Thursday night, just a couple days, nights ago, Mike and Rose came back to our small group at our home. We didn't expect them. If I, if I had that kind of surgery, I, I would consider it. I can lay down for like a month and watch sports and stuff. Um, but Mike and Rose came back because they had to. They had such good news. And for us, it was as if Lazarus had come back from the dead we cheered for Mike and Rose. We hugged them. We cried with them. We prayed prayers of thanks with them. We cheered for God. How do we love the things that God loves? And then through community, by connecting with each other, by caring for each other, and lastly, by comforting each other. In this place, we comfort each other a bunch. 
and I get to see it up close and personal, you guys show me what that looks like. Whenever we walk alongside someone who's going through Hades and back, be it with a wayward or sick child or chemo treatments or the loss of a beloved dog, through shared stories and hugs and heartfelt prayers, we care for each other, we comfort each other. I've seen it over a, co- a cup of coffee and a donut at my favorite second office, the manor house just down the road. But I've seen it over a, a flag-draped coffin as well. Someone once said, the perfect day is a day we've done something for someone and never expect anything in return. Paying it forward, someone would say. Caring for each other, loving each other, feeding the lambs and the sheep, taking care of the sheep, making sure no one gets lost on the trail, making sure no one gets left behind, modeling for the world what Jesus said, they'll know you are my disciples and how you love each other. It's a picture, I think, coming up of maroon bells. Um, 2005, um, I guess 12 years ago, I lost a best friend climbing that mountain. I wasn't with him. He was with his son, but he lost his life climbing on maroon bells. And I just want to remind us that the climb can be hard and dangerous and risky. To follow Jesus, to love God with everything we've got, to love the things that God loves, it's the same. It can be hard and dangerous and risky. But Peter, I love St. Peter, he reminds us as we're leaving base camp, as we're leaving this place, to begin the climb, he gets the team together, he gets the church together, he pulls the team in close, and he looks each of us in the eye. You guys got this. You got this. But remember this, above everything else, love one another deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love each other deeply. Don't ever forget this part on the climb. Love each other deeply. And From 1 Corinthians 13, love always protects, love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We got this. By the grace of God, we got this. All of that is funneling down so that I can play campfire songs for you guys, okay? Um, every, every, every Sunday, I get up early, and I pray that um, Drew will, will call in sick, that Lila will call in sick, that Austin will call in sick, and then they'll ask me to play campfire songs for church. <laughs> It hasn't happened yet, and you guys should pray the opposite, that that never happens. Um, but this is, this is a song. It's, it's called, um, uh, They'll Know We Are Christians by Our Love. Um, I grew up Roman Catholic, and, and my faith came alive for the first time when the priests brought guitars into the Mass. And this was a song, I don't know if, um, if there are any uh, folks that grew up during that time. This is from the 70s. Um, it's just a camp song, but I would love for you guys to sing it with me if you guys know it. We will walk with each other. 
by our love. Yes, they'll know who we are, Christians by our love. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know who we are, Christians by our love. Yay, God. Yay, God. If God's looking for a campfire guitar player, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Um, hey, let me, pray us, let me pray us out of this. Um, hey, Heavenly Father, Lord, this church, the South Suburban Church, this is our base camp. Lord, some may be just coming to the base camp for the first time. It's still not their, their base camp. But, Lord, some of us have been around a while. This is home. This is our camp. This is our place. And, Lord, we take um, to heart the words that you challenge us. What's our, base camp? What's our base camp goal, Lord? It is to love you with everything we've got. Lord, how do we execute the climb? How do we, how do we love the things that you love, God? Lord, I pray that in some real way you, you help us um, understand all of the stuff that we talked about this morning. Lord, I pray that this Thanksgiving time we can be grateful for the gift that you've given us, the gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray, pray over this gathering, this base camp crowd, I pray this in your sweet name and all God's people said, amen, amen.